Hello and welcome to Best Comics Ever, presented by Comic Book Herald. You are listening to episode 16, season 1 in our 2018 inaugural debut, and today we'll be talking about comics released in Marvel Unlimited from August 26th through September 2nd. These are the full story arcs that completed in Marvel Unlimited over the past couple weeks that I have now read and will be reviewing shortly. Again, the goal of these Marvel Unlimited posts is to highlight for you the full story arcs that are now available in the service for those of you who are getting your Marvel reading done uh, in in binge quantities through the amazing sort of all-you-can-eat digital subscription model of Marvel Unlimited. If you're not and you want to get into Marvel Comics, I highly recommend Unlimited as a way to do so. It is the most cost-effective way to read digital comics anywhere that I have seen. Today, again, we're going to be looking at the story arcs released in full, uh, firstly, the week of August 26th. Every Sunday, Marvel Unlimited crew goes and adds new story arcs, uh, new comics, They are released on a six-month cadence, so something that was published six months ago will now be added to the Marvel Unlimited library. And then, of course, once the full story arc is added, I'll be discussing it here to let you know what you can check out and what I recommend. So from the the first week that we'll be discussing here, uh, and actually before I get into that, I would like to do a quick uh, couple thank yous to our mysterious benefactors of the Best Comics Ever pod. These are people who are supporting the podcast and comic book herald on patreon.com uh, i'd like to thank today mysterious benefactor number one steve brennan thank you steve for your support of comic book herald you keep the lights on here and make sure i am able to continue doing these things as well as update new reading orders on comicbookherald.com. and thank you to professor pride for your mysterious benefactor support so thank you steve and professor for your support today. If you'd like to find out more about how you can support Comic Book Herald and get some cool extras and bonuses and keep the podcast running, you can go to patreon.com slash comic book herald. All right. So here's the deal with spoilers. I'm going to talk about these stories as someone who has read them. I am not going to spoil any twists and turns, so you should be able to listen to this and then go in and read for yourself and not have things spoiled. Nonetheless, I will be talking about the context in which these comics arrive. So if you are starting from, you know, 1962 when Fantastic Four number one came out and you don't want to know anything that's happened in the Marvel Universe since that time definitely uh, do not listen but if you you know are fine knowing the general context of what's going on in the Marvel Universe that generates these stories and then want to dive in that's who this podcast is for so the first story that I loved that finished up finally um, in Marvel Unlimited this past round was Generation X This is a comic that I talked about a little bit on the uh, best comics ever listing because I ranked it pretty high in the list of comics I read in August. And we have here Generation X number one to nine and then issues 85 to 87. Now, this one's going to look very weird in Marvel Unlimited for future generations. It's going to look like there are some odd 76 comics missing in the gap there. That's because after issue number nine, Uh, Marvel Legacy launched, which is a Marvel initiative that started about October 2017 and ran until, let's say, March or April 2018. And Marvel Legacy, the biggest thing it did, truly, was renumber basically every title in the Marvel lineup. Uh, based on how many issues of a title had been had been released in the past so 
The big example here would be something like uh, Incredible Hulk, for example. Marvel and the editorial staff and the teams there, probably you know editorial assistants and interns, went back and actually counted how many issues of Incredible Hulk have been released in Marvel's entire history because the numbering has not stayed consistent since the first issue, which probably dropped in 1963, 64. I'm going to guess 63. Um, it, it hasn't continued, you know, number one on down since that time. Marvel reboots and throws in new number ones, especially lately. This has been a big problem for them uh, and, and something fans have reacted negatively to is saying, you know, there's a new number one of a title every year or sometimes two within a year in the case of titles like Howard the Duck, uh, pretty famously, or I think Unbeatable Squirrel Girl had the same thing in, in 2015. So long story short, that's why you're going to see these weird, wild number jumps for a series like Generation X. Don't freak out. The story continues without missing a beat. Uh, it's going to look weird to people who don't know about Marvel Legacy and what they're doing here, but that's, that is uh, Marvel's burden to bear. So the long story short, Generation X, these issues were written by writer Christina Strain, and they are excellent. Uh, not to force an X-pun, they are some of my favorite X-Men comics of the 2010s, truly. They are about a sort of misfit team of C, D-list X-students uh, led by Jubilee, who of course is a well-known X-Men character from the 90s animated series, and she is now the older, mature sort of teacher alongside uh, Chamber and Husk, the sort of the old-school 90s Generation X you know, kids are now the adults actually leading this new generation of kids uh, in the in the, the you know, mutant life and, and not even training to become X-Men so much as training to understand how to be mutants in the Marvel Universe. And it's it's a great book if you like teen drama, if you like the idea of the X-Men universe as a school, which I really do. Um, it's also great if you like Grant Morrison creation, Quentin Quire, who is, I would say, at his worst, but also that means he's at his best in that he's this obnoxious punk rock, you know, super powerful mutant uh, with all sorts of wealth who is also desperately wants to fit in. And you've got some really diverse uh, character sets and power sets. You've got iBoy. You've got a new morph. You've got all sorts of relationship drama and diverse um, diverse sexual orientation and new perspectives that you don't see or haven't seen historically as clearly in X-Men. And it makes for new and unique storytelling. Uh, it's a very good book. It I think will probably mean more to people who liked Generation X previously. That said, I never, I've never gotten into Generation X. I tried when we were doing My Marvelous Year at Comic Book Herald, where we were reading, you know, the most important comics released every single year. And when we got to the late '90s, I, I tried getting into Gen X. I couldn't really do it, honestly. It just, I, some of the art style and and you know the tie-in. It launches a tie-in to the Phalanx Covenant, which I just was not very into at the time. So anyway, I didn't have a lot of, you know, backstory or understanding of the the title going into this, and I loved it. Again, it's my favorite X-Men book of certainly since Secret Wars in 2015. Uh, I would say X-Men Red is probably my new favorite as like a true X book, but this one is is right up there and it's it's a 12 issue story and it's done so if you don't like it great there's not a lot you got to get through you know you can 
fail after three issues, I'm going to say you're going to know if you like it. And if you do, it's a lot of fun. It's going to create some new, I think, uh, favorite mutants for a lot of people. And I highly, highly recommend you check that one out. Give it a shot. From there, honestly, the list dropped off dramatically for me. The next three stories I do not really recommend, um, with the exception of diehards of you know fans of, of these individual characters. I would say second on my list would be Deadpool vs. Old Man Loken. Uh, it's a five-issue miniseries in the Deadpool versus. You know, kind of grand tradition here. Um, it's a it's a big seller for Marvel. These Deadpool verses where they pit him against a character who he then inevitably teams up with. Uh, in this case, Old Man Logan, who I'm more than ready to see replaced by regular Wolverine uh, here in the coming days. Uh, it's written by Declan Shelby, who I think is really talented and and on the rise. Um, definitely an artist that I've loved. You know, his work with. Warren Ellis on Moon Knight for six issues is some of my favorite Marvel Now comics. Uh, that said, this series is, it's fine. It, you know, there are some okay jokes. It's a Deadpool comic and there's, you know, a lot of action. It's fine. It doesn't stand out in any particular way. Uh, from there, we got Luke Cage, number 166 to number 170. This is Luke Cage's first Marvel Legacy arc. So again, we're really getting to the point in Marvel Unlimited now where a lot of the Legacy era stories are at least their first arc is available so if you want to get a good sense of what marvel was putting out in marvel legacy this this incredibly short-lived era for the publisher um it's it's becoming that time certainly luke cage uh was kind of a missed opportunity it's written by david f walker who is very good and and wrote the six issue nighthawk series with ramon villalobos which was excellent um cage never quite finds its footing it's uh it's kind of a well it's kind of a classic idea where you take what is the thing that is most haunting to a hero in this case luke cage you know it's it's going back to prison it's being powerless back in prison which is kind of how his origin starts and and that's what um walker puts him in you know through through sort of what would you call it um it's not an alternate reality. It's not fake, but it's sort of mind manipulation. And it puts Luke through that. And it puts him in sort of a, you know, a racist small town that is, you know, in which he can't just be Luke Cage the Avenger, right? So it kind of, it tries to make him feel small and, and belittled and powerless and then having to overcome that, which is, I think, a good idea. And there's interesting themes at play here. Um, again, the way Walker inserts sort of this institutionalized racism that cage faces even as an avenger is disturbing and it's upsetting to see but it's it's also i think an interesting take on what luke cage would have to deal with that say captain america is never going to face um but again it, it never really takes off it's it's fine if you like luke cage i recommend it otherwise it's kind of a stay away um and that takes us to probably my least favorite of the bunch which i and pain to say, it's Incredible Hulk number 709 to number 713. Uh, this is the Greg Pak written story with art by Greg Land, who is not one of my favorite Marvel artists. He gets very consistent work, and I, I guess his art is consistent in the sense that it typically looks the same. Uh, but it's, it is not dynamic and it is not very interesting to me. Pac, on the other hand, is one of my favorite writers. Um, his Hulk work is amazing. It starts with Planet Hulk, which is, of course, this iconic Hulk series. I've got a whole order dedicated to the Pac era of 
of the Hulk on Comic Book Herald, and it's very good, even into the now uh, Amadeus Cho as Hulk portion of of the run, which starts with the totally awesome Hulk. I think that book's actually been pretty good. It's been inside my top twenty, you know, favorite Marvel books really since uh, all new, all different Marvel started in two thousand sixteen. That said, this this book is a huge disappointment. Um, it's it's this forced attempt to to play off the nostalgia of Planet Hulk, which is now a decade old, and it's returned to Planet Hulk with Cho as Hulk this time. And I, I don't, I don't know why they're forcing this. I mean, I guess I know why. It's because Planet Hulk is extremely popular and and was kind of influential in terms of a movie like Thor Ragnarok. Uh, but Cho needs his own story, um, and and this isn't it. It's it's a bust. If you're a huge Hulk fan, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to want to keep tuned to what's going on here. But for me, this was this was disappointing and I do not recommend it. <clears throat> so that takes us to the next three series that were released the week of September 2nd. Uh, all three of these are good. Uh, I don't think any of them are great. And one in particular I was expecting to be great and kind of disappointed me. But I would recommend all three of these. The first of which is Black Panther, Long Live the King. It's a six-issue miniseries that is uh, it's comprised of one three-issue sort of long-running story arc, and then there are some one-offs uh, interspersed, including issue six, which is a, a Venom Edge of Venom verse uh, tie-in, uh, connected tissue. It, it continues. It continues a story. Of that was initiated in Edge of Venomverse, in which uh, a new Black Panther with a Venom symbiote is becomes well becomes the Black Panther, uh, and it's it's kind of a lot of fun. It's um, the series as a whole is really good. I love the art throughout Long Live the King. Honestly, it's a really good looking Black Panther comic that dives into it dives into Wakanda in a way that um, well I guess the Coates run the, the current author of Black Panther definitely gets to. But, you know, when you're moving fast and you're moving through big themes and all the big bad villains, uh, this one just feels like it feels like a Spider-Man stopping muggers sort of, you know, this is just a part of what it takes. But except for T'Challa's a king and his issues are much, much larger and instead deal with giant sentient vibranium monsters. Um, so this one's, I would say, really good. If you're a Black Panther fan, check it out. Uh, it's only six issues again, but it's an interesting sort of series. I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of these um, different perspectives and authors coming in and just doing little short Wakanda stories. I think uh, Marvel has tried this a few different ways. They got Long Live the King here. There was the um, blanking on the title, but the Roxanne Gay written series that then had Rember Brown come in for an issue. Uh, that was a short-lived series as well. Oh, World of Wakanda. Um, I think it's a really good idea, and I'd, I'd like to see there be a market for that uh, in in more, you know, more consistency. So that takes us now to the next couple arcs, which are series that have been running for a bit, but recently finished up arcs in Marvel Unlimited. The next story I had on the list was All New Wolverine. It Issue number 31 was added to the Marvel Unlimited library recently, which is um, something of a standalone, but it basically, I realized I was behind 
on all new Wolverine. So I actually caught up on issues number 13 through number 30. Uh, the Orphans of X story arc is the one that is most recently concluded in here. If you are somewhat caught up, um, that would be issues, I think, about 25 to 30. Uh, that said, I did a huge binge here because I loved the start of this series written by Tom Taylor with art to begin by David Lopez and a, a rotating cast since that time. Uh, all new Wolverine is great. I think it's very good. It is somewhat maligned in the sense that it's Laura Kinney taking over for Wolverine after the well-known Wolverine after the death of Wolverine arc. And um, just by virtue of that, it is upsetting to fans of, of Wolverine as a character. Um, but she has more than, I think, satisfied the role and the position of what, what Wolverine should be. Gabby and Jonathan are some of the best supporting characters in all of the Marvel Universe. Um, so I, I love the world that Taylor has created here. I love the tone and the feel of this book. That said, these issues were not amazing. Um, I expected much greater things from them. There are really good jokes throughout. There are fun moments, uh, but it's, it's consistent, but not excellent, I wouldn't say. And the Orphans of Exarch is, is good. And there's, again, there's some really cool moments um, and ties back to series like Wolverine Origins from the 2000s even. So I, again, if you've enjoyed any part of Only Wolverine or like uh, Laura Kinney as a character or have liked her as X-23, this is must-read material. And it's just not as great as I maybe had hoped. And I think my expectations were very high because Taylor in particular has been a writer that through uh, reading Injustice 2, reading X-Men Red lately, I think he's firing on all cylinders and writing some of the best comics out there, some of the best superhero comics out there. Um, but All New Wolverine was more uh, middle of the road for me. Which brings us to Spectacular Spider-Man. Issues number 297 to number 300 are now available in Marvel Unlimited. This is the series written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Adam Kubert. And it's it's my favorite Spider-Man series from this time period. Uh, Spe Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, was, in my opinion, pretty much significantly better than Amazing Spider-Man towards the tail end of Dan Slott's run. Uh, it's funny. It's good Spidey stuff. There's a serious connection to the Mark Wade written graphic novel, Spider-Man Family Business. So if you haven't read that, I would actually recommend that you do so prior to jumping into Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. This uh, final issue continues off of the first arc. It's really all one story. So you could read the whole series in full here up to issue number 300. Uh, it's actually, for the most part, a Spider-Man versus the Tinkerer. Uh, story where the Tinker is supplying high-powered armor to all sorts of criminals like the Vulture or Shocker, and Spidey and his crew have to have to try and deal with that. But there's some amazing interactions throughout. You get some great Spidey and Torch team-ups here, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, I like this series a lot. I don't like it as much as the other Zdarsky-written title at Marvel, Marvel 2-in-1, which is a Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm um, sort of quasi-Fantastic Four story. But Chip Zdarsky has proven he's a, a very, very good writer uh, of Marvel characters. He's a great fit for Spider-Man as one of the funniest writers, frankly, in, in comics. So I highly recommend Spidey fans, especially, you know, if this weekend you're binging uh, or playing Spider-Man on PS4 all weekend and are looking for some just good, fun comics to read. 
uh, involving the character, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, is is definitely one of the best, most recent Marvel series you can check out. Um, I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's you know going to knock down any any barriers of what you thought comics could do, but they're fun. They're good Spidey stories. So there you have it. Those are the new stories in Marvel Unlimited for the last couple weeks. Um, I'll be back here once we have another two weeks worth of comics. These will be comics released on September 9th and September 16th, and I'll be talking about those arcs once I've caught up. But for the time being, thanks for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics. Best Comics Ever is brought to you by comicbookherald.com. It's written and produced and edited by Dave Busing. Music for Best Comics Ever is written by Anthony Weiss. Go to anthonyweis.com for more of his music. Listener support is brought to you by patreon.com slash comicbookherald. Find out more ways to support comicbookherald and keep great reading orders and content coming. Go to patreon.com slash comicbookherald and donate as little as $1 today. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics.